Questions. Adam. What's going on, my man? Is that you? Yeah, it's really me. You believe that? I I hardly do. How you been, my my annoying little friend? First of all, you're shorter than me, so <laughs> can't be little. I am uh, exhausted, man. I uh, just uh, landed from six days in Arizona with the wife and kids. So, three-hour time difference. Mm. You know, lug- lugging two kids around. Yeah. Good uh, trip overall. Yeah. <laughs> you know how they make that statement of like, oh, like dry heat is different and it's not as hot as like humidity plus heat. Yeah. It actually is <laughs> a real, I mean, Arizona temperature. Yes. It's very, very hot. Like, I mean, you can't, you know, sit out in the sun, but <laughs> yeah. as soon as you go in the shade, like it, it, it cools down drastically, like versus like Florida heat where it doesn't matter where you are. <laughs> You know, yeah. shade or, 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 you know, whatever. Uh, so that was a, a, a really uh, cool difference. And kind of, kind of experience the first time in Arizona for both of us. So it's kind of really cool to kind of see. Uh, we were in the Glendale area, visited Scottsdale, mm. um, Sedona. Yeah. Kind of like our, our, our main uh, things. So uh, you know, beautiful state, very beautiful uh, natural landscape. I'd recommend it to our listeners. Oh, what um, what were the average temps you had? <laughs> when we landed last week, it was like high 80s. And I kid you not, within 24 hours, it jacked up to 100. Ah, oh, nice. Love uh, that. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm looking at my arms. I got I got a good glow. <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. Uh, yeah, you know. What was the highlight? Highlights of the trip? Highlight for me would be Sedona because it's like up in the mountains. Mm. Um, lots of like hiking. It's where the Red Rocks are. Uh, yeah. Like, you know, uh, so that I really wanted to see that. And uh, there's a little, little uh, state park called uh, Sliding Rock um, where it's like not like, like high rapids, but like the water formed like a natural slide. And like, and there's a place where you can kind of like jump off into the water. So uh, that part was really cool. Just kind of just really seeing how uh, vibrant the the red actually is. Uh, Mm. So that was cool. Took some rocks home with us. So beautiful, beautiful. And any low lights? Any low lights? Texting Um, with me while you're out there. Texting with me was that a low light for you? <laughs> you ruining my uh, my my quiet time? Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, I, I would say there there really wasn't any uh, any low lights. You know. Um, uh, you're just being careful right now. <laughs> to our Arizona listeners. <laughs> yeah, you're just being very careful. Well, it's all right. You can you can share some you know some heavy stuff once in a while. Go ahead. Uh, I, I would say it, it, it was shared with me, so I, I again I don't have any evidence of such, but I, I'm going to lean to that. The statement is probably a, a, a very real. Uh, the statistic in Arizona that for every person 
in Arizona, which is around 7 million, I think, population. Mm. Um, one person owns four guns. Really? Yeah. And they have, I mean, they have very, very loose laws about, yeah. you know, gun purchases and gun selling and all like, that kind of stuff. Oh. So that kind of like, you know, I'm not a gun enthusiast. I'm, you know, I don't have a gun. I, I don't aspire to have one. And mm. just kind of like just having that knowledge that a lot of people are, are, are carrying, um, like openly also there, there's, I think that they're an open carry, uh, state too. So that part, I would just say like, you, you kind of like a, a little bit just worried about like what can go down at any point. There's something kind of like turns a, a, a little bit, but all yeah. in all, uh, you know, things were, uh, things were really think, good. I mean, I, 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 guess right, I, yeah. I really would recommend it. It's a, like where we were in, in like when you landed in Phoenix, I mean, it, it really is almost like 360 surround, like it's the Valley, right? Mm. You're surrounded by mountains you just you're just constantly seeing like mountains and in, in any direction you get to kind of like see them like you know closer and closer so and at the risk of speaking a little too much about arizona were you did you see people carrying did you see people you know open you know with guns um actually no no that, that that never happened. It was just kind of conversations I was having with a, you know a few people, and, and they kind of like self disclosed that you know they had you know guns themselves, not on them, but like in their homes and everything. Right. Um, but I think I think I remember just a few instances in I want to say the Sedona area. So again, very mountainous, very kind of like hiker. Um, a lot of folks had like you know knives, like blades on their hips, like out, mm -hmm. like it wasn't like you know inside the pants. It was definitely outside. So I was just like. Hmm, huh. that's kind of out there, I guess. You know, you don't actually, yeah. you know, see it in you know this this part of the country. So interesting. Well, yeah. thanks for sharing with us about your yeah. trip. Thanks. No, Here thanks for asking. Thanks for asking. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So for our listeners, uh, uh, I mean, I'm kind of losing track of what episode these are. Episode uh, ten. What is it? We're on episode ten. This is Robert. ten. Wow. Yeah. Big Double digits now. Big benchmark. Yes. Um, so for our, our listeners out there, uh, once again, please reach out to us. Let us know what you want to hear, how well we're doing, what we need to improve on. Uh, so you can definitely email us at theaddictandthecounselor at gmail.com. Uh, no spaces. Listen. No spaces. No spaces. All one word. The addict and the counselor at gmail. And uh, please you know, follow us. Listen. Uh, on Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, and uh, Amazon Music Podcasts, too, uh, The Addict and the Counselor. So we put up uh, new recordings, uh, usually weekly, uh, for your listening pleasure, and we hope that you all are enjoying it and taking something uh, from it. So, uh, Adam, if you want to have the kind of the intro of, you know, what our topic today is. Yeah, no, um, I think that, um, you know, what, what I text you was, conversation that i i've had with a few friends of mine and i thought this might be a good topic for us tonight is um the use of ayahuasca and other psychedelics to treat for, for people to get clean be able to get clean and also for people who are in long-term recovery to look to enhance or further develop their spiritual experience or spiritual awakening or get closer to their higher power. Mm -hmm. There's other reasons why people use it. So 
I, yeah, so it's, it's like opening up the mind, right, to a place that technically couldn't necessarily be open, you know, without uh, ayahuasca. Right, right. So, yeah, with, you know, it's a known psychedelic, has two different components to it, um, which I can't think off the top of my head what they are. You don't remember, do you? Uh, no, not, not. Anyways. Um, and it you take it under like some direction from like like the people that i've i've known that have taken it um have taken it under um direction of shamans mm-hmm. and so supposedly you know they know what they're doing when administering the substance and the pe- the handful of people that i know that have taken ayahuasca they've had years they've been in recovery for some number of years would you say one two three like what what's no no 10 plus 10 10 plus plus years years. yeah so really sustained long-term recovery to to further seek out spiritual experience spiritual awakening to continue to you know in that pursuit Mm -hmm. and the 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 feedback that I get from from people that I that have done this is amazing experience. They they were able to to work through past trauma, childhood stuff was resolved when coming to from from um, taking the ayahuasca. Um, they they were able to they somehow like described as like reliving. Um, past experiences and being able to come out the other side, like in a better place around mm-hmm. the, the experiences. Yeah. I mean, I, I think for our audience too, right, like these terms are kind of thrown out, right. Is that mm-hmm. ayahuasca can't be found in like a forest in, in, in like New Hampshire, correct? So it's for, so it's, a, a, I believe it's South America. So it's, it's found in, and it's it's a brew, it's a tea. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've heard, but I heard like the psychedelic doesn't last a whole long time either. So it's impactful, but it's also short. What have you heard? Yeah, I mean, the people that I know that have taken it, it's been like a two day. Um, two day treatment, I guess you'd call it. Um, and I don't know, I don't remember them sharing with me how long the substance actually lasted, like the hallucination actually lasted. I don't remember anyone sharing that info with me, but that it was a two day mm. type of treatment, like, like a retreat, you would say, right. Yeah. Go away two days under supervision, some guidance. Hopefully people have done their kind of research uh, on who these people are and kind of, you know, others kind of maybe experiences. Um, and then, like you mentioned, it's it's a, a, an herb usually found in uh, the Amazon, I believe. Um, and, and kind of other, you know, uh, you know, forestry uh, areas, definitely not in the U.S., uh, and it, it's kind of brewed as a, as a tea almost, and you're yeah. drinking it. Yeah. yeah, it's very. I mean, it's re- it's one of those things where, 
um, you know, is it is treating 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 drug addiction with drugs? Is that you know, is that something that we're able to do? You know, you give someone a drug to treat the drug addiction. You know, yeah. it's an interesting thing to think about when you're you know when it's like that mm-hmm. and. You know, I was thinking like people that I know that have done that have taken ayahuasca, they tend to keep it quiet from like 12 step community. This 12 step community is primarily abstinent. It's abstinent based. Zero right? tolerance. Right. Zero tolerance. And so one of my one one person that I know that 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 did ayahuasca, he was actually person was actually shunned from na or and um like gossiped about and mm. even like as recently as like a couple months ago from someone from 12-step recovery mentioned this person to me and said you believe you believe what they did and you know just gossiping really you know talking talking negatively i guess about mm-hmm. a person doing this while being a member of 12-step recovery and that person doesn't really engage in 12-step recovery anymore um, you know, he engages in other types of recovery for, for them, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, and the other, the other folks that I know that have done ayahuasca, they, um, tend to not really shout about it in 12 step recovery. Mm-hmm. It, it's so like, uh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, like one of the things that you said, I, I think a few podcasts ago about like your own recovery journal uh, journey was in early recovery for you to kind of like really be honest. Right. And so can you talk a little bit about people in long-term recovery or any form of recovery using ayahuasca for any kind of given reason, you know, whatever it might be to strengthen their own kind of, you know, Mm -hmm. drug recovery or enhanced spiritual, whatever the the, the reasoning is. Right. So like having to hide it from people that they talk openly about yeah. you know, cravings and urges and, and past behavior under the influence and et cetera. So it seems kind of um, contradictory from contradictory of, of being open, like being right. supported and being open, well, and honest in a place that is supposed to be non-judgmental, if, if I'm correct. Yeah, but I think there's, you know, there is a difference between like sharing with all 12 step community or in like an open meeting about stuff like that Mm. and sharing it with few close friends that are in recovery with you. I I think that's fine. There's been several, you know, there's been a million times where I've had stuff that I wasn't comfortable sharing in, you know, large open meeting with where it's at risk of being blown up, whatever I shared at other meetings around the area versus Mm -hmm sharing with some, you know, my sponsor or like a few close recovery friends, Mm -hmm. um, what's going on. So, I mean, I like to think that the people that I know that have done ayahuasca, they've shared with their close, Mm -hmm. you know, close connections, you know, that's what I would probably, I would probably bet that they did, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And like, there's, there's a lot of, you know, there's two, there's two like schools of thought that I can think of when taking ayahuasca that I, I think about. So one is if you're ingesting 
if I'm if I'm taking a substance, if I'm putting it in my system, I'm I'm concerned that it's going to set off or in physical craving for mm-hmm. a lot more. Not necessarily more of that substance because that's not really my go-to. That's not really my my thing, psychedelics. But mm-hmm. it, can, it can become my thing for a minute, you know. Sure. And yeah. So I, my concern being an addict, you know, I'm, I'm blurring, you know, that line of, you know, justifying, you know, seeking for spiritual experience, what, you know, what's um, seeking a spiritual experience versus looking for a high, you know, where's that line, that line is getting, you know, blurred, maybe if I'm, if I'm going and you know, putting a substance in me, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where I haven't been used to for, for some time. Um, yeah. And so that's one, you know, that's one concern that I would have putting the substance in me and me craving more because a lot of recovery literature talks about having like physical craving for more once, once it's initially inject, taken into the body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and the other the other take is you're expanding one, you know, and you reference to it a little bit, expanding one's mind to be open enough to be able to continue to have like stronger or closer spiritual experience or feel closer to higher power. Um, and that's like, I think that for a lot of people in recovery, it's between them, them and their higher power, really. Like, mm. what, what's the motive, right? So only you, like, only I know what my true motives are behind doing something. Intentionality. Right. What's my intent, right? We do, in recovery, we talk about doing stuff with, you know, intent and purpose. And so, you know, what's my motive? And then that's like, in recovery, we talk a lot about, well, that's be- between you and your higher power, you know? And really, when it comes down to it, that it is. That's, you know, it's between you and it's between you. You know yourself best, really. And, mm-hmm. you know, oh, you're... A true personal recovery. choice. Go ahead. Hmm? No, I was going to say, a, a true personal choice, right, is that if someone's really you know, thinking about ayahuasca as, again, a- any form of experience is that, um, you know, they need to be intentional about, like, again, why are they doing that, right? Like, again, in, in your case, right, is there someone who misses a high, right? And they're using ayahuasca as something that's, quote, unquote, kind of natural, the new thing on the market. Uh, everyone's kind of raving about it in very, really positive ways. Um, and so, like, is it just re-experiencing that in a very kind of short, controlled environment, if you will, um, versus, again, like that idea of, like, this notion of expanding one's mind somehow, some way to, to achieve a, a higher level of enlightenment for whatever right. reason that might be. Right. And a lot of people in 12-step recovery will reference to the one of our co-founders of Alcoholics Anonymous, Bill, Bill W, he tried, it's well-documented that he tried LSD. He used LSD to try to have deeper spiritual experience. And it's well-documented that he tried this, like in recovery. In recovery. Okay. There in recovery. Point, yeah. Interesting. I didn't know so that. Yeah. It's a little, 
little tidbit for you. Um, nugget, nugget. Yeah, yeah, a little nug. Well, yeah, so a lot of people in recovery too will reference that. Even the co-founder experimented with, you know, hallucinogens to try to find more spiritual experience for him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I'm just thinking a little bit more about about this. Yeah, you know, it's it's you know th- this question always kind of brings up like past you know clinical conversations I've had with people um, again who have a substance use disorder and are really trying to kind of get their lives together. And th- I, I've heard of you know even folks who are like opiate dependent folks would you use like cocaine to withdraw away from opioids uh, because in their experience it's it's less physically demanding. And mm. so not to kind of compare ayahuasca to cocaine or, or crack for that matter, but people mm. have kind of like been their own kind of experiments, like getting off of things and making kind of easier on their bodies with like other substances. And I think we, I think you and I want to be clear that one, we're not supporting ayahuasca, but we're also not kind of taking it off the table. I think that's really important for me as a clinician is that, you know, even substance use clinicians, they're so trapped in this thing of like, uh, again, like zero tolerance or abstinence only. And for, for people who come in, you know, to a certain degree, we have to meet them where they are, taking their inventory and kind of talk through about their experiences. Right. But even, I think, socially in the United States, the legalization of cannabis now, 10 years ago, you would have got laughed at, right? It, it was like, oh, yeah, totally, right? Totally. And, and, and yeah. now I think like half the states have decriminalized, you know, cannabis. And... It's interesting that, yeah, it's um, to piggyback off that a little bit. When you think about too, like medication assisted treatment, like, you know, methadone and suboxone, even there was a ton of stigma when, you know, a few years back around medication assisted treatment, right? Especially methadone. And we've come, we've come a long ways with that. Um, when you look at how methadone and suboxone are viewed today, there's, n- there's not nearly as much stigma as it used to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can, you know, you can kind of do a, you can take a guess that maybe in, you know, maybe in 15, 20 years, there won't be a stigma towards ayahuasca, you know, and that might, might be more acceptable in um, community. Yeah, no, I, 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 I agree 100%. And I, and I, I share it with folks, you know, because uh, 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 J- Jersey, we've only been, uh, you know, have legal weed since this year, 2023. And so w- with the decriminalization, researchers now have the ability to, you know, run legitimate tests, you know, psychologically, but also biologically, you know, chemistry and, and to really, really look at the impact that, you know, cannabis does have kind of on the body, not, not any more like anecdotal kind of experiences that, Oh, I have a friend who used weed for 10 years and, you know, now, you know, you know, their space, you know, there's, they're a space shot. That's anecdotal. That's one person's experience. And so I I think, you know, I'm really hopeful that research will really kind of pick up not only on cannabis, but honestly with ayahuasca, like have the ability to test it across the board and kind of identify uh, why it works and uh, why it doesn't. And I want to kind of go off on a, on a little bit of a, a side tangent. And it's, this topic has kind of created a lot of steam uh, the last few years, uh, a little bit more than ayahuasca, but um, 
using LSD for PTSD. Yeah. Right. And uh, that was, you know, laughed at and, and it was, you know, joked around and, you know, all these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, now, you know, uh, Veterans Affairs, you know, United States veterans are, you know, hospitals are using controlled uh, LSD uh, with vets who have you know, diagnosed PTSD. And, and um, I'm not, and Barbara, so let me ask you, I'm not, I'm not so familiar with some of these drugs, believe it or not. <laughs> I know it's tough to believe, but LSD and ketamine, are those two different substances or are they very similar? Or do you know any connection between those two? Um, they are different. I, I think they would still fall in the category of hallucinogens. Uh, all right. Um, but, um, I, here uh, in Jersey, um, I, I know a really well-respected uh, psychiatrist, um, and he does ECT, right, uh, electroconvulsive therapy, yeah, um, for you know severely depressed, um, you know, clients uh, in a in a hospital-based uh, <clears throat> setting, yeah, highly highly effective with people who are not uh, compatible with any antidepressants. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, when I was in when I was in the psychiatric hospital, not so long ago, about a month and a half ago, I think it's been. I um, they were doing ECT on the unit that I was I was on with a couple with a couple patients, mm -hmm. and the you know one of them I became pretty friendly with while on the unit, and they were sharing with me how they've tried for years all these different types of meds and nothing has worked, right? So this was really, ECT was literally the last resort for this person. And that's, you know, that's how they felt. They felt this was, this was it. And six, six treatments is like the minimum that, that was recommended, um, like on the unit. Mm -hmm. And they would, this person would go down early in the morning, be, be sedated, given the ECT, and which really creates like, creates a seizure from how I'm, it's described to me. Yeah, mild. Mild seizure. Yeah. They come out of it. The person was brought back to the unit and they were not. You know, they were not in any shape to like have conversation with me like right away. It took them, it took this person like few hours mm -hmm. to really get back to being able to have regular conversation. Yeah. And short term memory, but this person I, I had conversations with and they couldn't remember right. some of them, you know, because, because as a result from the ECT. Yeah. I mean, uh... I, I'm I not putting it down. I'm just saying that that's that's part of like what I observed. No, no, absolutely. And and, and, and I think you know, for us to kind of really talk about e ECT, right? Is that you know, for people out there, is that you know, I think a lot of people's mind goes to like one flew over the cuckoo's nest, or you know, beautiful mind, you know, where you know the person is like biting down on a piece of wood or whatever, and they're like flailing in bed. This this is not the way it is. Unfortunately, you know back many years ago before kind of ethics and research kind of came around, the voltage was very, very high. Now the voltage is very, very low and it's concentrated to specific areas of the brain. 
So it's not like a full brain seizure where like someone who has a seizure disorder may experience. It's specifically, you know, targeted. They're sedated. Uh, and anesthesiologist is there. Nurses are there. Yep. Doctors are there. Constant monitoring. And then once the procedure is over, which uh, that doesn't last a whole long time, there right. is that kind of recovery space and making sure the person is kind of oriented enough to be able to leave. And usually, as you mentioned, people are you know not necessarily leaving on their own accord. They usually have a supportive person kind of just like helping them you know, through that process until they kind of um, you know, get reoriented. I think that's the emphasis here that I want our audience to kind of understand, right? Don't buy ayahuasca from some schmo on the street and you believe them as ayahuasca and you do this like alone, right? right. Don't do ECT right. alone. I just think people can do right. it alone, but like don't do LSD I'm doing alone. It. I'm, doing it in ba- I'm doing it in mom's basement, ECT. Yeah. <laughs> so the psychiatrist mentioned something um, at the hospital that he was doing ECT is there's now conversations in, in the psychiatry uh, team about uh, e- experimenting with LSD. And I said, well, what are your thoughts on that? And he said, well, I hope they don't th- take away the assisted piece of MATs, right? Medication assisted treatment. I said, well, what do you mean by that? He's just like, I don't want someone just to give LSD to somebody and then they go off and like they do it right. It should be a therapeutic intervention under supervision and guidance uh, and education. Right. Um, Like like methadone. Right. Right. And I work in two different methadone clinics. I experienced folks that came in solely for the methadone and my experience of them, they didn't get better. Right. They weren't mentally healthier. You know, honestly, they weren't, healthier in their addictive behavior they were still well, using other substances yeah but they were pro- they, but, but Bobros, they were probably using less dope honestly if they were on methadone they may well, not have been using that gram and a half but maybe they were down to a gram or half gram because they were taking methadone too yeah i would argue that there was probably some improvement maybe you didn't you didn't well, observe it you know or it wasn't reported to you Honestly, in my experience, and again, this is many years ago, so I'm definitely you know loose on my own experiences there. But that that like the use of opioids while on methadone, it was smaller. It was the other substances becoming prevalent now. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, yeah, returning to weed or alcohol is now. Yeah, because because you can't is now. Yeah, because if you're you're using methadone for treatment for opioid dependent you're not getting the same euphoria because you know you're using methadone to replace it so the person still may want to get high and so they're looking for other options to fulfill that high and cocaine is you know is one of them correct correct yeah so i so i think and that's that's the part that I, i kind of you know wanted to emphasize about ayahuasca and you know for for me and i'm sure you heard it too adam is uh Aaron Rodgers, you know, the, the now quarterback for the you know, New York John, uh, Jets, you know, who was a Green Bay Packer uh, for a long time, right? He openly talked about his experience. Um, again, over, you know, not in the United States, went somewhere, did a lot of research, found a person, yeah. um, again, retreat type of thing, very kind of therapeutic, guided, supported. So I think, you know, for folks out there is that, uh, you know, one, do your own research, but make sure that, you know, whoever you're kind of leaning into ayahuasca with it, you know it's not just you know you and three or your buddies you know, <laughs> you know get, getting high off of ayahuasca or experiencing kind of ayahuasca it's um uh 
but again, it, it should be like, again, therapeutic, right? What are you doing kind of, you know, beyond that? Right. Uh, again, like some of the other things that we're talking about, like, you know, LSD as a form of like trauma treatment, like PTSD treatment, yeah. people are not just getting LSD and like walking into the sh like streets, right? They're not going, right. they're taking under supervision of a doctor and then there's therapy there's conversation about that experience you know you know what's happening either euphorically you know visually uh what emotions are they feeling there's a big process you know to it all so i really want to kind of you know you know be a myth buster here is that even you know in our total experience you know uh, in the field and, and for you like you know using and recovery is that I, I think in the U.S. we're getting more expansive in how we can treat addiction. Mm. I think that's spectacular. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, so. there's more there's more options than than ever right now. I think that um, yeah, I think you're on the money with expanding um, different types of treatment for addiction. Um, you know, that's that's a very important thing that people that where I think people in the field are generally always looking to do to improve treatments and to look to other ways other methods of treatment for addiction because it is such a complex illness and so the reason a little while ago i brought up ketamine and the reason i brought it up i, I was speaking to a friend earlier and they were talking about how there's been some um some movement for clinical intervention for eating disorder and the treatment was low dosage of ketamine mm. and ketamine what it was the basis the basic premise for um the ketamine what it would do is increase appetite and i guess somehow it creates new pathways to a reward system where the person begins to look at the motivation of, of around the weight stuff in a different way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, you know, it, it helps with depression and stuff, but that, that was some of the conversation I had with a friend earlier, which I yeah. found interesting. I, yeah, I never, never heard of it, but like, you know, use for, for eating disorder until they brought it up. No, I, I, absolutely. I mean, I, again, it's, you know, the terminology, right, is really important, right? It's low doses of ECT. Right. It's low doses of LSD. It's low doses of ketamine um, in a treatment-designed uh, program. Uh, it's not just individuals sitting in a corner, um, you know, stuff like that. And so, no, not I, me, I think not me in my mom's basement drinking a bunch of ayahuasca tea <laughs> yeah like i would want to do i i think that um you know going back to like the ayahuasca stuff i you know what i can share is just like my experience and recovery it's like i don't have direct experience with taking that stuff and then i can share what other people that i know that have taken ayahuasca how they were impacted by it um yeah, yeah. i don't know you know i'm not here to you know, say one way's the right way or not. I, I personally have on, for the most part, like I stopped judging people's recovery because I've, you know, because of my own process that mm. I've been through. So it's a lot, you know, when someone comes up to, you know, when I, someone might share, 
you know, so-and-so did ayahuasca. Do you, do you think that they're still clean? People will ask me that, you know, do you think they still should sit, you know, do you think they should cl- change their clean date or their recovery date? Like, it's really just up to that person. I don't really, you know, they're alive today. They're breathing. You know, I, I can't really judge that type of stuff, you know, but there are a lot of people that do judge it, you know? Yeah. know. Absolutely. So, I mean, where do you think you are with it? Let me ask you something. Can you hear me hit my vape? Wait, I'm going to do it right now, okay? Hold on. Could you hear me? No, but it's just okay. silence. Wondering, just wondering, that's all. Yeah, we're recording audio, so yeah. there's dead silence. It sounds like there's a disconnection. So maybe you just slow down the, the, the vape while we record. <laughs> all right, I'll slow down on this. Yeah, thanks, yeah. yeah. Vape, vape, vape and talk, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what, were you, what were you asking me before I... I mean, mean, since you know people who have, you know, sustained uh, long-term recovery and have used ayahuasca and still in in their definition uh, are still in kind of, you know, long-term recovery and you have, you know, you've known other folks, does this change anything for you with ayahuasca or? It's funny. The person I was speaking to earlier today about, um, you know, about ketamine and I was talking about ayahuasca, I, I said, you know, it's not for me. And then I changed it and said, it's not for me, but I don't really rule anything out ever. Like I, re- I'm not in a place to really rule every, anything, you know, every, you know, anything out forever in a day, you know? So, cause that would just close me off totally. Um, but yeah, for today, like, no, like I, I'm petrified of it setting off the physical craving to want more substance. Mm-hmm. I'm petrified that I put a substance, a mind mood altering substance into my system and the next minute, like I'm going to want some crack. That's mm-hmm. what I'm, that's what I'm concerned of. Yeah. And where that leads, you know? That's real. Um, so yeah, that's real for me. That's how I view it from my own recovery. Um, but I'm very careful about saying never to really most things, you know? Mm. Yeah, um, I I was gonna bring it up earlier. I just thought of it now. But um, mm. do you remember um, that? It, it, I, it, it, I think it definitely happened in 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 the U.S. But I think it was also kind of in Canada. But it was that twenty four hour detox. <clears throat> yep. Um, I had a patient that I was treating at the methadone clinic a few years back. And he he loved it, lidocaine or light. Yes, lidocaine. Is that what it's called? Something his, like that. This client of mine was was really into it. He did it two times. He he you know he was all about it. He couldn't wait to you know do it again at some point. He'd only did it in Canada, but yeah, that that's the only. I don't hear too much about it, but he basically like what I remember him describing is he's out, the person's out of it for, for a while and they come out of it. And it's similar. 
actually, the way he was describing it was similar to ayahuasca experience, I would say, from what it, it was very similar description. Yeah. They went back they went back through their past from the substance. It resolved a bunch of stuff for all of them and they didn't want to use when they came out of it. Uh, that was yeah, basically what the gist of what the client was was reporting to me. Yeah, I think it's the same notion is that again, you're under some level of, you know, medical supervision, you know, so this, for again. So my client hours. my client that did it. <laughs> He was not under medical supervision. He was with a friend that was supervising him doing it. <laughs> his friend was the supervising because he and I remember I remember him saying that he had to make sure his close friend was with him because God knows if he, there's not someone around what will ha- what could happen. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I only bring that up is a conversation of, again, you know, using ayahuasca to strengthen one's sobriety. I, I bring that up because, you know, people who are heavily addicted to any substance, right, they're looking to break away from it as quickly as possible and not return to it. And so this notion of a 24-hour detox, that was what yeah. was being sold at. So, I know so this was like 15, 20 years ago. People were talking about like, yeah, you have to like, it's all cash pay, at least $10,000. Um, and you're sedated for 24 hours, again, under medical supervision. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't, you're not feeling the physical or even, even emotional withdrawal. Oh, right. That was the piece, right. Of that was- the addiction. And then yeah. like, once your body, I guess, in that 24 hour period, like recuperates, yeah. you're, you're technically the addiction physically more than emotionally i would say is is broken and now you have something to kind of start off with and i think for me as a therapist and i've i've kind of had conversations with clients who were really really motivated to kind of trying it is i I think when we even for the lay person who thinks about addiction they only think of the physical side of it even sometimes the addict is just like oh it's physical 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 it sucks but what about the emotional journey? Just because your f- body is not craving it in, in a short window, like what's happening emotionally and mentally, like that can't be addressed in 24 hours, in, in my opinion. That needs a lot of support and a lot of guidance, a lot yeah. of therapy, a lot of meetings. However, the thing is, like you, you need to kind of jump in, um, you know, both feet and yeah. really support, you know, that thing or what ends up happening. And I, and I had, I think one client in the past who went through that detox uh, and they relapsed because they just, they thought, they thought that, Oh, the addiction is broken. Right. And I don't have to change anything else about me. And then months later they were back to their old kind of you know ways again. Yeah. So yeah, you, you took the words out of my mouth. I mean, the, I remember with this, with this client, with this client of mine that, that used it, he talked about not having physical withdrawal symptoms because of it too, like you just mentioned, but he's sitting, the person sitting in front of me after relapsing. So I forget how I framed it, but like, if it worked, like what the fuck are you doing here in front of me right now? You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how well it really did work for you, you know, but um. Huh. And that's one thing too, like to think like when I think about my 
the people that I know that have done ayahuasca, that was the, all those people that I can think of, they were in long-term recovery, not initiating the beginning of recovery. Mm-hmm. But, but that, client, that client, you know, that we, that we just talked about that try that used lidocaine. I don't even know if we're saying it right, but something, <laughs> you know, it's cane at the end, whatever yes. that is. <laughs> um, they were using it to initiate detox for that, you know, in that example. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't have any, I don't have any um, experiences of people where they were initiating like detox using ayahuasca. And just to find Adam, is that when you say long-term recovery, is there a number that you are referring to that, you know, you I have would my, identify? I have my own personal number. Yeah. My own personal number is 10 years. That's when I would start identifying someone as being in long-term recovery. So 10 years of continuous recovery. Yeah. So like, like the old school saying that in 12 step recovery is five years to get your marbles back. And then then another five to learn how to play with them. So, (laughs) so the first five years you're, you're, you know, in my mind, that person's a newcomer first five years, next five years, you're doing a lot. The person's doing a lot of growth and growing. And then around the 10 year mark, you know, that's when I would, that, that's my, that's my opinion. Like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that would say, you know, after a few years or three years or five years or whatever, but my, mine is 10. And I think that comes from some of my own stuff with having long-term recovery before. Mm -hmm. So I, I can really reflect back to how I was when I was five years clean, seven years clean, and then eventually 10 years clean. I can kind of reflect on that a little bit and yeah. And use that as kind of a frame of reference, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So um, anything that you want to say in closing about kind of ayahuasca, I mean, kind of trailed off, you know, with, with kind of other experimental, you know, substances, to help people in, in mental health disorders or substance use disorders, but um, any kind of closing remarks? I think it's a cool conversation. We can, you know, we can keep going with, and I think that we should down the road, maybe we have another episode around it. And I think that it's really, you know, you stress the main, you know, the main healthy features if people are going to explore these types of treatment interventions and it has to do with treatment providers providing the service, right? Delivering it, you know, to the individual, um, you know, and not doing it on their own, Mm -hmm. not doing it in mom's basement (laughs) by themselves or with a friend. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think, you know, the conversation is definitely, you know, very, very fruitful. And again, you know, it's it's like these like sexy words and things that kind of come out from time to time. You know, and ayahuasca is like the new kid on the block that, you know, people are kind of talking about. Uh, even when you and I were talking about it, and of course, what everyone who listens to this podcast, right, is, you know, they're going to Google it. And so, one, you, everyone's going to mess up the spelling of ayahuasca. Um, so that's one thing. 
A Y A H U A S A. Okay. I think. <laughs> that was a nice combo that we just did. I like yeah. that. Teamwork yeah. makes the dream work. Okay. <laughs> but like honestly, when you and I were talking about it and I Googled it, right, just the word itself. You got to be very careful on Google because like the first couple of hits are all like ads. Someone who's like selling ayahuasca treatment or whatever the case is. I had to scroll a little bit more and try to kind of find something that's more like research oriented, like uh, like Evans based, if you will. And, you know, I shared the link with you uh, and someone did do some kind of, you know, research based on, you know, the the use of ayahuasca and all kinds of stuff. And it's, it's quite interesting when you kind of, you know, digging deep into the scientific, you know, makeup of ayahuasca. It's not just a thing. It's two things combined and brewed as we've kind of, you know, talked about. Um, So like, yeah, I mean, like when you do your research, just make sure that whatever you're researching in the website that you're on, that it's it's a credible website. And, And it's, again, it's not just two or three people who've, done it and, and they're kind of blogging about it or talking about it yeah. so um you know a, a lot of caution to be had but mm-hmm. you know for me it's like it's the sexy kid on the block and uh, you know everyone is you know talking about it and thinking about it and again you know people who've who've kind of you know tried it and um it, it's had some kind of effects on them yep for sure mm-hmm. for sure all right, so we're transitioning. Is is is, is this the the part of the? Yeah, it's transition time. <laughs> All right, so this segment of the the podcast is always uh, towards the end of the podcast, and we call them affectionately the five controversies, uh, where we usually do one item versus another. Uh, sometimes there's you know three. Uh, we have gone to the fourth kind of thing. Kind of gets a little out of control that way. Uh, mm-hmm. But and then we tend to kind of talk about why we chose one or the other. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. So the first one, uh, ankle socks versus high socks. Ankle socks. I think they just, I think they look better. I'm like about aesthetics, like, you know, what looks better. And I don't have, like, I don't have the longest legs. I would like, I, it's not a secret anymore, but. I wish I had longer legs. I wish I was taller, but I'm not, right? So I wish I was a baller. Having I wish I was girl in a collar, <laughs> rabbit in a hat, six foot baller. Yeah. All right. Um and so ankle socks make it make it look like I have longer legs than I really do. I feel <laughs> like <laughs> even though that's not, you know, it's not accurate, but you know. Uh, it, it's yeah, funny yeah. Uh, this is the first kind of controversy up there today is that i am currently wearing high socks you know black nike socks uh, but my, my go-to for working out uh running is absolutely uh, ankle socks uh same with you honestly is uh, aesthetically i i didn't even think about the the, the lengthening of uh, visually of, of my legs but i like the fact that like the sock does not impede the sneaker and vice versa. They're kind of <clears> complement <throat> each other like very, very well. Um, so yeah, uh, ankle socks kind of feel you know, all, all the way. Hey, good job with coming up with that controversy. Hey, thanks. Yeah, it was a good one. Did you come up with it? Wish, wish you had more of them. <laughs> Shut up. 
Uh, next one. Candles versus incense. Candles. Candles. Go with the candle. Um, I like to be able to carry a candle around and move it from place to place. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, it aesthetics. It looks. It looks nicer. <laughs> um, you know, it's 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 something that you see way back, and you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, people using candles, and kind of like that look. Yeah, I do like that look. Yeah, I, I I've definitely used incense. Um for a brief brief time i want to say like maybe my my college years um uh, again probably because i saw from other people and it kind of like smelled good for a second it's, it's cool. were you using it were you using it to hide your weed smoking <laughs> no no not, not at all honestly not not at all it was uh again things i saw like again other kids kind of doing it it was a like cool setup kind of thing with like a little wooden piece where the ash yeah. fall into uh like different scents kind of you know come out of it and everything yeah. But uh, no, for yeah, I'm a hundred percent candle person. Um, I think our audience is our same age, and so as you age with candles, uh, I've gotten very snobby with them, mm-hmm. right? So like wax candles over like soy candles are 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 worse for like breathing in. Uh, then you have the different kind of like wicks uh, yeah. that come out of it. Um, I f- f- funny quick story. I'm over at a friend's house. Um, and we're just sitting there, just you know, having a conversation. I'm smelling like baked cookies. I'm, yeah. I'm just getting hungry and hungry. And, and, and I like turn to his wife and I'm like, "Hey, uh, when are the cookies coming out?" She's like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Yeah, don't you smell the cookies in the air?" I'm like, when, well, can, "Can I have some?" They're like, "No, it's it's the like a cookie candle. candle, like on their stove yeah. that was yeah. just like warming up." And I'm just like, "In there." I refuse I to buy any food-related uh, candle scents because I just get hungry. You know, now that I think about it, too, I end up buying a few candles throughout the year as gifts. Mm. Great gifts. Great Yankee gifts. Can- That's a Yankee candle. Get a nice Yankee candle that smells like baked cookies like you're describing. <laughs> and just, just, just I, nuts. Personally, I one of my faves is... F- like vanilla, vanilla scent candle. Nah, not me. I like like an ocean breeze. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me because you're a chocolate guy, right? So, oh yeah, you're, you're against oh. vanilla to begin with. Yeah, yeah. Well, from yeah. Um. All right. So next controversy: scary versus a thriller movie. Thriller. Hmm. <clears throat> so horror films I this is going to sound lame probably but I only I tend to own I tend to only do horror movies during the month of October <laughs> for Halloween for the holiday <laughs> for, for Halloween now that doesn't mean that I've never done a horror movie outside of October just typically most of them are done I get them in during October, yeah, fit, fit it Inten- into thirty. Intent- it's intent, like it, it's intentional, intentional. <laughs> <laughs> like October first, I'm looking at 
you know, all the horror movies, like my my usuals that I'll watch. Mm-hmm. Halloween, Scream, Amityville, yeah. Amityville Horror. Yeah. No, I, uh, for, for, for our, uh, for our audience, um, uh, I genuinely get petrified uh, of horror movies, uh, like almost like shake my soul. Um, <laughs> uh, so I, 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 I refused, I have watched them in the past. Mm. Uh, it, it's, no, I, I would lean into thriller. I, I'd like that kind of like suspensey, like, again, it's like action, like something you're discovering something you're kind of on the edge of your seat. Yeah. It's a little bit like you know frightening, but you're not scared. Yeah. Um. So no, like I, I like, like saw movies and like all these kinds of things. I'm just like, no, I'm not watching. So we agree. We've agreed on all of them so far. All the yeah, kind of- ankle socks, candles, yeah. and now thriller movie. All right, all right, all right. All right. So fourth one, highway versus byway. What do you mean byway? Byway. There's roads that are called byways, Adam. <laughs> I don't think I've ever used that. I don't think I've ever used that term. <laughs> are you laughing at me? <laughs> or with me? No. Nah, I get the feeling you're laughing at me. I'm laughing at you. Listen, is it? There's got to be other people out there that have never used that term. I've never used it. Okay. Look, oh. look, look it up. It's an actual word. No, I no, I believe you, hundred percent. I believe you. Just I'm saying, my experience has been that I I've never used that word. So like again, um, so you know the difference, right? So like if you're traveling somewhere, and obviously you know speed is a factor, and you know whatever. But if, <clears> if like time was not an option, would you still want to use a highway, right? Very kind of, uh, you know, static, right? There's no excitement there, right? It's just road exits yeah. through. A byway yeah. is like a the scenic Either, route, the scenic route is a byway. More scenic, right? And so you're going through town. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm doing, I'm doing what, what we call the byway is what I'm doing. I want, I want to see, I want to experience different towns, neighborhoods, side streets, hills. You know, whatever you got, give it to me. I want, I want to experience it. Yeah. So I'm taking what. What people out there call the byway is what I'm taking, or or, or scenic, you know, scenic routes, or you know what, you know. Um, oh, like, like, do you like think more one. people use? Do you think more people use the term scenic route versus byway? What do you think people use more of? I, I would say scenic is probably yeah. the, the again the, the the newer term. And yep, and that's why I didn't know. I'm. I'm up, to, I'm, <laughs> I'm up to date on my lingo. <laughs> and I've always been cool with my lingo. That's why I always said scenic route from the moment that I could interpret what a scenic route was. I was using that term of scenic route and never have I used byway. <laughs> so we're actually four for four so far in tonight's controversy which is very very odd uh so i am by way all the way i yeah. hate the highway because again <laughs> it's has no appeal to me yeah. it's boring there's nothing to do besides drive to your destination I, again i i obviously use it often to get mm-hmm. to kind of places but like if i could like 
choose. I'll take a side road anyway and travel, you know, on a slower speed, but really take into kind of the, the, the sights and kind of what's going on. And then like discover towns that you would probably never see because you're on the highway. Right. And, and, and bypass that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, figure out like new places to eat and like, you know, different things. Right. So, uh, yeah. you know, definitely scenic route uh, person uh, <laughs> all the way. Take the scenic route. Yep. Uh, so the fifth one is, I would say, a, a, a double controversy, right? It it's, can be a form of addiction. So just kind of disclaimer for the for our audience here, uh, <laughs> not enticing yeah. you to go ahead and participate in, in, in this one, but it's just a controversy. It's a conversation. It's a question. So if one were to gamble, would you prefer to be at the roulette table or the poker table? So that's the question. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I'm not a gambler. So but I, I would just go poker because you hear more about poker. Mm. There's been tons of movies about poker. There's not a lot of movies about roulette. <laughs> right? It's just True. more, it's more, you know, it's more known poker. That's mm. why I would go to poker. Mm. So I, I've played both. Um, I don't like poker, especially in casinos, because I don't know a lot of the intricate rules about it. Mm. And so when you play it and you kind of semi mess up, people at the table get really really upset because you're kind of playing with their money a little bit yeah. um so roulette is very very different right wheel there's numbers on it there's numbers on the on the board you put money down yeah. ball land somewhere end of kind of story so um it's a slower pace it's kind of like you know draft poker is like very very fast paced and all that kind of stuff so i like the kind of the the, the slower process of it so um, yeah. definitely if you you know ever see me at a casino i'm usually at the roulette table and just uh just hanging out uh yeah. soaking it in yeah yeah i i despise gambling hate it oh, nothing, so. nothing worse than <laughs> nothing like for me like i don't i don't relate to people that get a rush from gambling at all like there's nothing worse for me than to give away like money that i earned there's nothing <laughs> worse in the world you know yeah well, yeah people say yeah a lot of people do yeah, yeah. exactly reason. Yeah. yep all right so that is a, a wrap for tonight's episode greatly appreciate folks you know listening in following again comments what's our, uh, email? What's our email address the addict and the counselor all one word at gmail.com the addict and the counselor at gmail.com okay the right. same name, same title for uh, to follow us on uh, any kind of podcast. So Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Amazon Music Podcast. So hit us up, listen to us, and comment. We greatly appreciate it. Great. And that's a wrap. Episode 10, double digits. In, Woo! In the books. Wrap it up. All right. All right. Hey, I'll talk with you later. We'll do end of show. Peace. Bye. Bye. Thank you.